wake us up. How are you doing this morning? You're a guest. Welcome. My name is Pastor Rich, and I'm glad to see you guys here this morning. I mean, I enjoyed worship this morning. Amazing. I love coming. Something happens when we come together, to, uh, together, and God just amazingly moves through us, and really we slow it down and really hear God when he speaks. I think he, how many um, here would say God spoke to them this morning during worship? That's the time that we really, sometimes we need to slow down and hear what he's saying, because sometimes we move too fast. And you've been coming for a while. We're in our week three of talking about money, because I love talking about money. And uh, this week, we're going to actually uh, uh, beyond blessed. Uh, week three, we're going to talk about being a good steward. But how many are really excited about the holiday season? Christmas, the lights, shopping, the food, and no one's raising their hand. I don't get it. Is it about the money thing? Is that what it's about? Is it about the money thing? Anyway, but uh, if you've been coming with, we've been with a book, uh, uh, from Beyond Blessed by Robert Morrison, where we did week three, today's Good Stewards. But the last couple of weeks ago, we talked about living beyond blessed. Let me explain what that means. It means uh, God blesses us so we can be a blessing to other people. And then last week, we talked about who's the owner. We know God's the owner and how God is the owner, and we're just stewards of it. And today, we're talking about are we good stewards or are we bad stewards? And today, we're going to read a, uh, a parable that Jesus uh, spoke to the, uh, to the disciples and also the uh, Pharisees, uh, his view on stewardship. It's lengthy. Um, we're going to go to uh, Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. I usually don't read something this long, but when Jesus tells a parable and tells a story, it has some de deep meaning for each and every one of us. And it really gives us some principles how we can be great stewards of what God calls us to be. And it's called the parable to the talents, if you know. And then we're going to start in verse 14, Matthew 25, uh, starting in verse 14, and we're all the way to verse 30. And it says, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called the servants and entrusted them his property. Everyone say entrusted. <laughs> so the one he gave five talents to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. When he had received the five, he that had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Everyone say master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and sold their accounts with them. And when he had when they had and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter to the joy of your master. And he who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said, well done and good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will make you, I will set you over much. Enter the joy of your master. Now everyone say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. And he who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. The master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. 
You knew where I, that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered no seed. Then you ought to have vested, at least invested my money with the bankers at my coming. And I should have received what was my, what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one, give it to him who was the, had the ten talents. To everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has, will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant, worthless, into the outer darkness, into the place where we'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, this is a parable, which is Jesus talked a lot in front of the disciples and also the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the main audience. And Jesus would tell stories and give a parable to give, really attack their heart, the motivation of their heart. And he's talking about stewardship here. Now, if you know about the Pharisees, they're a religious group. They had the law, verbal and written. They had the temple which they were in charge of, which was a sign of God's presence. But the problem was, when, they, when it came to sharing the law and sharing their lives, they buried everything. And what they would do, anyone who, who wanted to get close to God, they'd make up all these rules. And plus the fact, if you weren't a Jew, you weren't even allowed to be near us. So get away from me. So they buried that which is God has given them. The Torah, the, uh, the law, all those were things that God entrusted to the religious folks in those days. And they decided, because the Bible says we ought to be a light into the world, they became a light unto themselves. And watch how I pray, and watch how I give. And they can care less about anyone outside of them. They buried the very thing that God had given them to share with other people. And they missed God, who was standing right in front of them, that very, at that very, they missed Jesus of who he was. Now, you know, stewardship means this, to protect and expand the resources of another. It would be hard for a church like ours to grab all the resources and do no outreach, don't share the gospel, and become a light unto ourselves and not share on the university, not share in the, on the economy, and do nothing with it and have a party with it. And this is what's happening with these people. But God called us as stewards to take steward, to grow and develop the resources that he has entrusted to us. Remember, we talked about two weeks last week. We are just the stewards. God is the owner. So when you look at, are we a good steward or are we a bad steward? But stewardship means to protect and expand the resources God has given us. So as the body of Christ, what we receive, we want to give out. We want to give out resources. We want to give out gloves, and we want to give out hats for those who, those who need it. Let me put it that way. And our responsibility is to steward that which God has given us and to grow it and develop it for his glory. Isn't that fun? Isn't that a mission? Now, God uses us to be the, to be the river to other people, not a reservoir. He, will, he can do it by himself. He can go downtown. He can snap his finger and say, hey, there you go. But he uses us to be the river of blessing to other people. Can I get an amen? That's our job. That's our assignment. And he trusts us with whatever we have in our hands. 
So you see, Jesus really hit a nerve with these guys. Because at the end, they were like, that must be us he's talking about. I must be the one holding up the resources. And I want to really unpack some things what a steward is. One thing I'm going to give you, number one, you are a steward. You look in verse 14, he entrusted them his property. Now, in those days, it was cash assets that he gave them. A large sum of money he gave to them. And you know why he gave it to them? To be a partner with him. How many love the uh, declaration we give? Be co-laborers with you, God. So he co-laborers with the gospel, co-laborers with the resources, while he wants them to be a partner with him as he said, we're going to build this amazing thing. I'm, giving you the, I'm going to make you a partner with me when I come back, I'll sell these accounts. But that's how God does it. He gives us resources to be a partner with him. He gives us things so we can steward those and expand those. By the he gives us abilities and he gives us opportunities. And what they did, they received, a, uh, according to the ability, but also the opportunity to be a blessing. And you see, some got one got five, one got two, one got one. The reason why, if you look at, at this parable deeply, he basically gave them what he knew they can handle. He knew you can handle five, I'll give you five. I know you can handle two, I'll give you two. I know you can handle one, I'll give you one. Now, I want you, I want you to listen to me. Do not get upset when your brother gets five and you get one. Maybe the reason why you're getting one, that's all you can handle right now. But that doesn't mean you stay at one. But he wants you to take it. Like we, and we're all stewards because we have our life. I mean, no, our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So we steward our bodies. And you, when you're younger, you want to take care of your bodies. So when you get older, your body will not talk back to you. When you get up, that's not crackle and pop will not be more than cornflakes. That's your body. It's not Rice Krispie or whatever that thing. It's your body making that noise before you got up, okay? Because you didn't take care of your body when you were younger. Could I get an amen? amen? So you work out to get your mind clear. You get up every morning. You go to the gym, and you're hitting the weights, and you're running, and you're walking. Can I get an amen? <laughs> now, the money we see, the money's not ours. It's been used for God. You take, and he entrusts us with a certain amount of money. And we use that. Our possessions that we have are not ours. They're God's. To use for his glory. I live in a house that's going to surpass me when I'm gone. Now, when I die, I can't say, honey, uh, wrap up the house and drag it down the street with me when I go down. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. It's a possession that God, we are stewards of our houses, of our money, our life. How about our giftings that God has gifted each and every one of us? The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not even ours. That we've discovered that we can help other people. Now, God blesses us because he loves us, but he also loves those outside of us. So we can be a blessing to them. Can I get an amen? How about our relationships? Steward our relationships well. If you're husband and wife and friends, stewarding that very well, that is a stewardship. When you're in spiritual family, you got to learn to steward the relationships because we're all different can't walk out on anybody because they're your brother and sister. You got to work through it. Can I get a really get an amen on that one? How about this one? Time. Time is from God. Now time 
I was reading a book the other day on stewardship and time, and the reader said, where we are today as society, we have made everything a priority, which makes everything secondary. Everything's a priority. I got, I got, I got, and you can't even focus on what God had called you to do. And you're trying to do everything. That's what I love about Grace Point Church. We do one thing, and we try to do it well. Make disciples. It is not the most glamorous thing. We're not asking for legs to grow. We're asking for lives to be transformed. Right? I mean, if it happens, it probably happens in the, in the process of evangelism. Someone gets saved. That's fine. Let the leg grow. But you can't take the leg with you when you leave, brother. But in your transformed life, you go from here to there. Right? So I love that. But time, because when you ask people, I don't have any time. And what are you doing? I don't have any time. And I know it's, I only ask you to do um, serve in the children's area one time a month. Equals to about an hour and a half. I don't have time. And you, you look at your day planner. I'm going to see if I have time. And I'm so happy that Jesus didn't have a day planner. I don't have time to die. I Father, it's just not my, it's not my schedule right now. Um, send Peter. He can die for him. It's just, it's just not convenient for me right now. How many know when you serve God, it's never convenient? How do you know he picks the busy people? Not the ones, I'm waiting for God to tell me what, you know what he's telling you to do? Do something. <laughs> I will hit you when you're moving. I can't hit, a, I won't hit a sit and start a target. I'm waiting, I'm waiting. You'll be waiting forever. Get up and get out the door or help somebody who's doing something, helping somebody. Amen? So, anyway, but we're stewards of that. I love Deuteronomy 8.18, it says this. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. That word power means grace. He gives us grace to be, uh, to be wealthy, to be have resources for other people. He gives us the grace to do that. Everything we have, we, everything we want, we have it already in, us, in our, each other. We already have everything we need. We just don't remember that. He gives you the power. Now, the reason why he said this to the Israelites is because he knew when you come into your houses, when you come into your land, you better remember who gave it to you. Because we have bad memories. Because when we arrive, we think we've arrived and we did it all on our own. Right? Then we think, I did it on my own. No, 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 no. He gave you the power. In fact, when you arrive, you'll get promoted. You know what you get promoted to? More work. I'm going to get down to that. It's not, oh, what about the Bahamas? No, more work. You're going to go to the Bahamas because there's more work there for you to do. So he wants us as stewards to be faithful stewards. But here's the question. Are you faithful or are you faithless? Look at verse 16 and 18. It says, now the two were faithful to their work, traded with them, invested the money. And I'm like, they can, really, they invested in the kingdom of God. And what he was saying, 19 says, after a long time, the master delivered. They said he was gone. And they recognized, master, you delivered to me. But after a long time, let me tell you about faithfulness. It's doing the right thing for a long period of time. I love the book by Good to Great. Doing the right thing every day for a long period of time. Not to quit. Keep going. What does faithful mean? To be trusted and being reliable. 
to be trusted and be reliable. When someone, your yes is a yes and your no's are no's. You don't have a Holy Spirit moment. Yes on Sunday, I call you on Wednesday. I didn't say that. Your yes and your no's are solid. To be trusted that you're going to be there for somebody. To be reliable over a long period of time. Now, how long, Pastor Rich? I have no idea. My brother-in-law, Norman Clark, is here from Virginia, and he's responsible for really getting me in church. <laughs> when I was in Okinawa, Japan, my other brother-in-law would call him, Rich and Donna get to church yet? Rich and Donna get to church yet? So he used a, he used a, a popular thing in the kingdom of God. I call it hospitality, which is the secret weapon of the Holy Spirit. And we eat some great meals out of his house. We had some great times out of his house. And he asked me, you come to church? I said, yes, and I didn't show up. But he didn't stop asking, and he didn't stop asking. When I got there, it was great. When I showed up, finally showed up. And he taught me in the very beginning how to park a car for the kingdom of God. I love that job. We used to jam him in there, and they said, hey, smoke. Christians don't smoke, do they? I don't know. Let's pray. We pray over the car, and we parked the cars all nice and put them just, just tight. We were great, man. We had the jeans on. We, it was raining outside. We could day we want the umbrellas to get people there. And I know we don't do that today because we are too busy. But um, <laughs> we get in there, and, uh, and, and it was great. It was amazing. And I learned how to put the car in, and then I learned about Christians. They had this thing. I didn't know because I was a young, young, you know, a young believer. The older ones would come last. I said, why you come last? Because we're the last ones in. Our cars were parked up first. We're going to be the first ones out. I said, I thought you loved church. <laughs> so we learned all that. And he taught me how to be a great car parker. And then Miss Dodd taught me how to do two and three-year-olds, how to sing, act stupid and sing on the floor. Jesus loved me. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. She said she needed help. I said, yeah, you're doing help. I'm not going down there. <laughs> Those kids are dangerous. And showed up, showed up. Here we go. And everyone tap you on the shoulder. Hey, you want to be? Hey, you want to be? Hey, you want to be? No, because I really love parking cars because they don't talk back. <laughs> Faithful. This is over 20 years ago. And here I am. And you say, how'd that happen? That's how everyone asked, how'd you become a pastor? Who did you know? I knew Jesus and I knew how to serve. Faithful in what? I learned 1 Corinthians 4 2. Moreover, it's required of what? stewards, that we may be found trustworthy. Now, your faithfulness, now I learned this. Our faithfulness, guys, is contingent on our accurate view of Jesus. Think about it. Your view of Jesus will determine your service to Jesus. It's not about mechanics. It's not about your time. It's how much you love Jesus. And you realize, I was nobody. In fact, the Bible says I was not even a person. I didn't have grace, I had mercy. I was dead and I was doomed in my sin and Jesus came and saved my life, gave me a new life, gave me a new way of thinking and I cannot wait to serve you. I cannot wait to come in and praise you. I cannot wait to get up every morning and just say, God, what do you have me to do? Why? Because I realize I receive more than I'm giving out. That's amazing and it's fun. It's continuing how you see Jesus. Because I see people, well, you know, I guess I got to serve. I'm like, you get to serve, dude. You get to serve. We might guess I got to serve. Really? Really? Is it that hard? I mean, are they going to put you on the cross? 
Are they going to beat you with whips? Are you going to die and go in the grave, go to hell, and then come back up and raise back? I don't think so. They only ask for an hour and a half a month. Well, you know, I, got no, I, have, I don't have time. I know you don't have time. But isn't a great God we serve has all the grace in the world to wait for you. And I was telling I said, man, some of the guys we sit around said, man, it's changed. I mean, we have energy. We could not, we had so much zeal to hang out with God and whatever they wanted us to do. I didn't, I didn't know there was a limit. I didn't. I didn't know it was, okay, you only served one time a week. I didn't know you did all that. This, I think you just show up and did what God told you to do. I have fun doing that. Now I need to, I can't work, I can't serve twice a month. I got to learn. I'm learning. I'm really learning. I'm, I'm at an age that I didn't know that, you know, and, um, well, you know, it's my birthday. I can't come to church. Oh, I, oh wow. I, I didn't know. It's, it's, it's me day. It's me day. You know, it's me month. It's me month. I, I'm, like, I'm like, whoa, I, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know all that. I should have took a week off when I had surgery, maybe four. But I, I know that. It's new to me. It really is new to me. And I'm like, they don't have a proper view of God. They thought, hey, God, like I told you last week when they were giving them things, oh, God needs my time. The church needs my time. No, 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 no. <laughs> you lucky you have time. And what it is, you've seen this in the, the number one, the one that they rejected. His lack of love, he started blaming his master, and he started, that way he was able to excuse himself. He, you're a hard man. He's blaming him, or he's blaming, you only gave me one. Well, be faithful with that. And then he excuses himself. Why? He was faithless. He didn't, want, he didn't want to step out in faith. I love what he said. He didn't want to step out in faith at all. He was faithless. He buried it. How many buried the gifts and callings that's on your life? You bury it, or you can't use it because it's not convenient. It's never convenient. I love when God, when I tell God, I'm tired, that's when he gives me more work. <laughs> what you got to do, this is the part I want you to do while you're going through this. Search your heart right now for the truth about how you view God. Are you fear-driven or are you faith and love-driven? Are you driven by works or are you driven by love and faith? Because you know if you're driven by works, this is so hard. I, I mean, I met people before I was a Christian when I used to I, at work, and they were at work, and, I, and they all we wanted to do is read the Bible. I said, you got to go to work. Close your Bible and go to work. I'm being persecuted. And they look like this. And I'm like, man, I don't want none of that. <laughs> I said, this is supposed to be fun, man, you know. And they come out, Jesus is Lord. I said, what, of misery? Of misery? And I'm like, I don't want none of that. And that they wouldn't work hard. You know how it is when you're, when you're, when you're uh, a faithful at work, you're the first one there. Last one to leave. First one to take someone to lunch. You don't grumble at the boss. You love the boss. You want to make him famous. Amen? You're there every morning. Can't wait to go to work and, and change the world. Can't wait to go to class and tell that teacher, I'm here, teach me something for me to go around, go somewhere else and do something great for God. We're the ones that you rec- we recognize. We're always on. Well, in fact, we're early. We come early before everyone gets there. Right? Amen? And we love working. 
You're not the one, I'm tired. I wish they'd give me a bed. You're not, that's not you, is it? I got to come while your workplace is this week. You won't, you won't recognize me when I hat, wear a hat. No one recognizes me for some reason. They're used to seeing the bald head. But if you're fear-driven, serving God, you'll be miserable. And fear is like absence of love. And you forget how much God loved each and every one of us. That's what gets me. I mean, I was heading no place. <laughs> he saved my life and changed it. I, I, it's not much, you know, I'm like, he gave me all that. What am I not supposed to give you? Take it all, Lord. We sang that song. First thing, give your heart away. In fact, here, enjoy. It says delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself. Not work hard. Delight. Enjoy God. I always come when people come, they, I feel burnt out. Since the last time you delighted in the Lord. I don't know what that is. You're working for him. You're not walking with him. There's a problem. You can't work for God. He did all the work. Now he wants you to walk with him. It makes it fun. It's not a misery or drudgery. I enjoy this. I enjoy everything I get to do. I enjoy parking the cars. I enjoy working. I worked sound for a little while. Got fired after the, the, the uh, I am fired. I quit because after the, the, uh, the keyboard guy walked off, Mary walked off the stage <laughs> in front of my, I'm still not going to turn you up. I don't care how much you walk off. And, uh, and the pastor went outside and I knew he was in trouble because the pastor said, you know, it's good that people are still praying for you. I'm like, how'd you take that? <laughs> still praying for you? That means we're supposed to stop praying for you? Anyway. But <laughs> so I was a sound guy, worked bathroom. I was a janitor. I loved the janitor. You know, the bathrooms don't talk back to you. <laughs> and it was fun. In fact, our prophet Jim LaFoon came here and said, I'm gonna let everybody know in this in this room. I said, Don't tell everybody. He said, I thought he's gonna confess my sin or something. He said, No. He said, <laughs> I said, Jim, you know, I don't don't give it all out in public. He said, You enjoy this, don't you? I said, Yeah, I came from nothing, man. Nothing. I enjoy this stuff. Why wouldn't anybody else? Why wouldn't anybody like to serve? In fact, y'all keep kicking me. I won't let me do anything. <laughs> I enjoy it. It's my life. That's what Jesus wants to do, enjoy. It wasn't a drudge with them. You know, they were confused. They were so confused. But I know they were enjoying themselves. They were, they were tripping over each other. Is the church perfect? No, that's why we have a Savior who is. And what happened? 19, verses 19 and 23. Now, here's what happens. This it. When you get, do well and you're faithful, right, you get rewarded. Stewards will be rewarded. Now, the word reward, I'm going to have to look it up because we live in a world now that everyone gets a trophy just for participating. You know, I, I tithe once, so give me a, no, 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 wait a second. That's what you're supposed to do. It's not even yours. But I get a trophy, don't I? No, you didn't win. Someone, their first you're not. You lost. I know. It might hurt your feeling. Go tell your parents. They won. You lost. Maybe you'll win next time. I know everyone's, why just participate? We should get a trophy. That doesn't do anything for anybody. Especially where I came up, no one picked me. I was always, oh, we'll take Rich. I How hurt was that? <laughs> I'm like, man, okay. But I showed up when I got on the team. I showed up, you know, yeah. You know, you you pick one twice, and I'm like, I'm the last guy. I'm the one with the ball. It's my ball. They won't even pick me. <laughs> what kind of, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Rewards. 
Something that is given in return for good or evil done. That master was coming to settle accounts. It says in Romans 14, 12. So then each of you will give an account of himself to God when these days are over. Now you got to realize, guys. The reward was not it was based on their faithfulness, not the size of their responsibility. We want increased responsibility, but we don't want to be faithful in the little things he has now. Faithful over a long period of time. And let me tell you what the reward was for the two. Was increased responsibility and opportunity, opportunity doubled. Went from five to ten, two to four. And the greatest thing is they get to share in the joy and the delight of their master. That's when you go into when you work serving God. It's enjoyable. It's enjoyable. I see guys here come alive when they're, where's Joe at? Big Joe and Connor. These guys at the door, they run, they, they love it. Now, during the work, they say, I'm not that excited until I get here. <laughs> I understand. If something happens when you start serving the God, start serving God. When I first started serving the Lord, I had great jobs, but I didn't really feel significant. And I was doing it until I started serving in the house of God. But increase, now there's no vacation. Here's your vacation. Here's your reward. More work and opportunity. To, now, here's what happened with the guy who lost. He lost the opportunity to participate in his own abundance. See, when we do tithe and offering, we have an opportunity to co-labor with God, but we have an opportunity. You want to build some abundance so you can give more? You're a, you're a main player in that. Because he knows our heart's involved in it. He lost the opportunity to be at his own abundance. How many of you are losing your own opportunity to be blessed? Because you can be like this guy and be selfish. Or you give God a time limit. I'll serve you for two years here, and then that's it. And he might say, you need, until your attitude change, you'll be here 20. But who cares? It's the joy of the Lord. What happens, you wind up losing what God has given you. Take what he has and give it to the guy. What he doesn't have, give, he's going to be a minus one. But there's not, you know, again, you don't stay there. See, God can't promote poor stewards. How many enjoyed an Airbnb lately? Anybody been to Airbnb? A lot, that's a, that's a, a trend going through America today, going worldwide, that people are taking their house and they're opening up for people to come in. And you, have to, you go and stay in their house while they're gone. I have a friend that does it in Georgia when, they, uh, when the, um, a great golf tournament comes up. He rents out his whole house, takes care of his whole mortgage for the year. But, um, and they, people come in, and they, it's like theirs, but it's not theirs. They actually take care of it. But they know if you ruin that contract, if you ruin that house, you go on the bad boy list, and you go on, that, on the database Airbnb, this couple, this person, no. No. Now, isn't that like Luke 16, 12? When he says, if you have not been faithful in what which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? If you're not faithful for what was God's, why would he give, entrust you with anything else? 
And you realize in this whole parable, he gave him five, gave him two, gave him one. And this is what I want to end on. He said, Pastor Rich, where do I start? Why don't you be faithful of what you currently have and stop finding for more stuff? Moses, what do you got? I got a stick. That's good enough for me. I'm going to turn that stick into a staff. It's going to bud, and they're going to realize that you are the true leader. What do you have? I got no tongue. I got, you got a brother who can speak. What do you got? I got a dollar. That's all I got. That's all I need because it isn't about the amount. It's about your heart. And it's over a long period of time. Uh, A long good friend of mine passed recently. Elder Terry. His family's here. You know we've been in a stewardship program. Two years, $200,000. And everyone pledges what they're going to give. And this story fits with that because at the very end, you got to give an account. Well, Elder Terry and his family, they paid out their generation's pledge. Paid it out. Whatever they committed, Paid it out. In fact, they're paying extra. To the very end, he was serving. We're not talking about well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what he heard. He sold the account. He paid out on something. He will not, he saw some of it, but he saw the rest of it. That's why he got involved in it. He paid it out. And he's paying above. We have others that we're going to celebrate next week when we talk about celebration, where God's put it. There's people who are given and lost their jobs when they gave. But they didn't stop because they were faithful. They saw something big in themselves. He paid it. When he got before the Lord, we talked about it. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Man, you went above and beyond. Enter the joy of my kingdom. Enter it right now. There's, you have no excuses on your record. You are a blessing down here because you say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You're going to be a greater blessing to us, and you're going to leave a heritage of blessing. That is a life of the parable. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Now how many cars you got, now how much time you think you need is what you did to protect and to expand my kingdom. What a steward. And he didn't stop to the very end at our our, our lunch for our picnic. He prayed for everybody in that picnic. Know what he says? I declare you blessed. You can hardly stand. I declare you blessed. He wasn't talking about finances. He was talking about since God is your Lord and Savior, you are blessed. That's amazing. Here's a question for you. Are you a faithful or a faithless steward? Next week, on your side, you'll see we have a save the date card. And that is to come next week and be involved, finish out our, finish strong on our 2000, 
200, I mean, 200,000 two-year campaign. Some of it started, some of it didn't finish. We're going to celebrate the ones who finished. And we're actually going to do something special in our new, when we get our new foyer, when we build our new lobby. There's certain that's going to be blessed to be a blessing because that was the heritage that was left from man of God. And didn't matter what age, didn't matter how you felt, he was here. And he wouldn't let you do anything. <laughs> and they would, we'd fight over the broom. And I always lost because he would send Robbie after me. And Robbie can fight, so I don't, you know. But the other way you can start is on the side of the ministry card. You know where I became a pastor? When I started parking cars and I had to pastor myself over those, I had to be a pastor over those vehicles. Started teaching the two and three-year-olds, I had to do that. Sing songs for three years. Then children's minister, then youth pastor, and then the rest is history. But you know, I didn't know how to gift of excitation. I didn't know how to gift anything until I started. A lot of us are waiting for God to tell you. You know what he's telling you? Get started. Grab the door. Grab a bucket. Grab, get the, with the guys at the door. Hey, where can I start serving? And you'll be surprised what opens to you. You become, a, I started at a minus one. I don't know where I'm at now, but I had to start. You're a family member here, and you, you became a member. Um, you hear it all the time. Jump in. Get involved. Get started. You want to know what your gift is? And you really want to know where your heart is? Work in children's church. Yeah. They, will, they will break your heart as God is breaking you. We had a few coming in. I don't know, it's this hard. They didn't come back. They were like the flies. Help me, help me. They took off. <laughs> so <laughs> those kids don't play around. They know when they're ready and they want to know the Bible. And you got to know, they, got, they, can, they can smell if you're ready or not. <laughs> they can, they're not ready. Yeah, routine four on them. And Ms. Don said, where's the application? They're gone. They ain't coming back. I'm like, there you go. Boot camp. Boot camp. But there's a card on you. Fill it out. Leave it in your seat or put it in our box in the back. And we'll call you. And when we call you, answer us. It's for your own good. Pastor Rich did not feel significant until I started serving in the church. And I had great jobs. But when I started parking cars, I felt like I finally arrived. I finally know why I'm here on this earth. And everything I do here, I love it. I wouldn't trade for anything else. But you have to answer that question, am I a faithful servant or a faithless? I mean, am I a faithful or a faithless steward? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this moment. Thank you for teaching us what a steward is. The joy of being a steward. And I thank you that you entrust us your riches of our gifts, our families, our time. You don't have to entrust us. You choose to entrust us. So I ask God that those who are speaking, I ask by the Holy Spirit, nudge their heart. Because when you move them, they can't move out. Not us to compel them. Father, you compel them by your love. We thank you, Father, as you're teaching us how to be better stewards. We thank you for you because you love us and you love people so much that you use us to be a river, not a reservoir. 
of your, of your glory and of your, of your love. And we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen.